The words of Jesus, Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, say this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, you're familiar with that last verse, uh, probably a lot of you are in, in verse 33, but did you realize that it was tucked in uh, to this passage about anxiousness, about worry and fear, um, about what we get anxious about? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then he finishes in verse 34 with this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, true. The very first thing that Jesus says is therefore. And, and if you read the New Testament, one of the tips you have when you're trying to understand those verses is that when you see a therefore, then it always tells us to refer to what's just been said. So something is said in the New Testament, and then he says, therefore, do this. Therefore, we understand this. And so he, what we get just prior to this is, uh, is, a pass, is Matthew 6, 24, just, uh, just prior to what we've read. And it says that no one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or you cannot serve God and material things. And so here's what Jesus says. He says, no one can serve two masters, that, that we can only serve one, that you're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to serve one and, and, or, and, not, and not serve the other, but you can't serve two masters. And then he says, therefore, don't be anxious. Therefore, don't be anxious about what you have to eat or what you have to wear or any of those things, those needs, because your Father in heaven knows this and he's watching for you. So the second thing that he says after the therefore is he says, don't be anxious. And, you know, I particularly like this because Jesus repeats this three times in this passage. And therefore, the gift of repetition has a biblical position in Jesus, because I repeat things all the time. Uh, and Jesus says three times, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And I know that some of you are sitting there thinking that's really easy for you to say, right? Um, it's easy to say. It's hard to live out. And that's what we're going to talk about, how we live that out. Because we, none of us want to live 
anxiously. Maybe you're so used to it that you're not sure how else to live. Maybe you're so used to living in fear and anxiousness and all and those things that, and worry that, that you're not sure you can really live any other way. But Jesus says that doesn't define us. That doesn't control us. Don't be anxious, but consider. Um, and he begins it with consider the birds of the air. Now, he doesn't say the birds are lazy because I don't think I've ever seen a lazy bird. Uh, birds are constantly in motion, right? Uh, I mean, they're getting food, they're feeding, they're, they're, you know, they're constantly moving. But what he says is they don't have the capacity to sow. Uh, they don't have the capacity to make their own food. They don't have the capacity to build homes. They don't have the capacity. But God, in his wisdom, God in his love has cared for them. And then Jesus uses this really interesting little rabbinical method uh, to, that, uh, in here that's the how much more method. It's from simple to complex. That God says, that think about the birds of the air. Think about the simple life, and then we go to the complex. How much more will he love you? How much more will he care for you? That you that he created, the people that are made in his image. So we think about the birds of the air. We think about those things. And he says, then how much more will he care for us? So he's giving us this contrast and this comparison uh, with the, the birds of the air. And then he says something really interesting because he talks about the birds and how much he cares for them and how much he does for them and then as he begins to talk about us he says and how much more your heavenly father and the language is significant there because for the birds of the air he is the creator uh, he, he's the sustainer of life and then when he talks about us he's our father how much more will your father care for you how much more will father do for you you see we, we have a different relationship with him than the birds and the animals and the plants and all of those created things because he has called us to be his children and he has said he will be our father and our father cares for us in a different way, in a more unique, in a more powerful way. He thinks about us differently. He's our heavenly father. And then he makes a really interesting statement because he says, you know, how, how many of you, and I have a little line up here. So uh, let's just say on the left, that's the beginning of your life. And on the right, that's the end of your life. And, and we all have an expiration date. And so Jesus is saying, how, how in many of you that by worry and by anxiousness and by all of those things can add one more dot to that line? We can't. It doesn't work. You can worry 24 hours a day. You can fret 24 hours a day. You can be anxious 24 hours a day, and you're not going to add one more part, one more hour to your life. And he is working us toward this idea of living in the present, living as in the moment. What is Jesus saying to me right now? What is he calling me to do right now? Who is he calling me to be right now? You can't make, one, make it one day longer by, by being anxious. And then, then he does something really interesting. He talks about the lilies of the field and the gorgeous wildflowers that, that God created. And he compares them to King Solomon. And so if you haven't read the Old Testament a lot, you might think, well, that's 
cool. Solomon, uh, you know, was a king. He was. He was the third king in Israel. There was Saul and then David and then Solomon. But Solomon was by far the wealthiest, uh, the most powerful. David really built Israel, but then Saul lived in this opulence. Um, so Jesus is comparing the beauty of the lilies of the field to the grandeur and the splendor of Solomon. Let me just give you a little idea of what Jesus is talking about. It says the, the weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, uh, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He made 300 small shields of hammered gold with three minas of gold in each shield. And the king put them in the palace uh, uh, put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. And then the king made a great throne covered with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and its back had a rounded top. On both sides of the seat were armrests with a lion standing beside each of them. Twelve lions stood on the six steps, one at each end of each step. Nothing like it had ever been made for any other kingdom. All King, Solomon gob uh, king Solomon's goblets were gold. All the household articles in the palace of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's days. The king had a fleet of trading ships at sea along with the ships of Hiram. Once every three years it returned carrying gold, silver, and ivory and apes and baboons. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone came uh, who came brought a gift, articles of silver and gold and robes and weapons and spices and horses and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Kew. The royal merchants purchased them from Kew at the current price. They imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. They also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the Arameans. Solomon had a lot of dough. He had a lot of stuff, right? And what does Jesus say about it? that all of that splendor, and I think we have a few pictures for you, but all of that splendor didn't match the beauty of God's creation, didn't match the magnificence uh, of the lilies of the field. You can just go through them, Karen. Um, the highest of splendor and wealth and recognition that Solomon got couldn't compare with what God had created. That's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, if God did that, how much more will he care for you? How much more will he think about you? He, he's reminding us that he's our heavenly father. He's reminding us of our place with him. He's reminding us of how much he loves us. And then he makes an interesting statement. He says, ye of, oh, ye of little faith. He says, really, this is really about faith. I've given you all of these things. I've called you my children. I'm your heavenly father. I love you more than the most beautiful, uh, the most magnificent parts of my creation. 
I care for you more than the birds of the air. I, I give you all of this. How much more do I care for you? But you lack faith. And that's why we talk about the, the idea that we're resurrection people, that we believe in the resurrection. We believe that, that Christ rose from the grave and if the resurrection is true, then all of the rest of this has to be true. All the rest of this fits in to the truth of, of the resurrection and Jesus is wanting us to understand that all of this is true about our lives and he wants us to have faith based on our heavenly father, based on how much he loves us, based on how much he cares about us, based on how how much he thinks about us. And when we get our, when we experience our anxiety, that, that we recognize that that's not truth, that that's not reality, but somehow we've strayed away from the, our faith, somehow we've strayed away from the truth of who God is and how much he loves us. Somehow our eyes have gotten off of who he is in our lives and has gotten on to a whole bunch of other things that don't bring truth, don't bring life to us. And so he says again, therefore, because of this, because of how much I love you, because of how much I've done for you, because of how I've provided for you, therefore, he says, don't be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the rest of the world worries about that stuff. The rest of the world focuses on all of that. But that's not where our focus is, he says. Therefore, don't be anxious. And then he says this, and then he gives us the, he, be, he begins to give us the antidote. He begins to give us the lesson that he wants us to understand. And he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Get your eyes focused on what matters. Seek God first. Get your eyes focused on Christ. Get your eyes focused on his kingdom, what it means to, to live in his kingdom. Imagine Jesus speaking to this people that crowded around him on the mountainside, and many of them had been born under Roman occupation. That's all they knew. All they knew was that their country had been overtaken by the Romans, that they no longer had freedom. They no longer had rights. Many of them were living in poverty. They, they didn't didn't have much and here is Jesus saying don't be anxious about what you eat don't be anxious about what you what, what what you wear all of those things but seek first the kingdom of God because you don't live in this kingdom you live in another kingdom you live in God's kingdom you belong to him you're breathing his air you're walking on his ground he is the king he's the father and we live with him we live in his kingdom and therefore, we trust our faith is built on who Christ is, what he's done, who our Heavenly Father is, what he's done, not on the circumstances that we find ourselves in our lives. And what an interesting message for the people that were on that mountain today. And, and, and what a powerful message for us today because we can be anxious for so many different things. There's a great story uh, about Mary and Martha in the New Testament. You guys know who Mary and Martha were right? These two sisters, very close. Their brother was Lazarus. It says, and Jesus' disciples were on uh, their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to him and said, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Uh, tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus just said, Martha, you've gotten your eyes off of what matters. You've gotten your eyes off the center. You've gotten your eyes off what really counts that I'm here right now, present in this moment. And what matters are you seeking me? Are you seeking the kingdom of God first? So there's three things that I'd like you to consider this morning as we seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, The first one is that we need a focus, the need for focus. Um, the, the second, and, and that is just simply what Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, right? Uh, and he says, I want you to change your focus. You've been focusing on, maybe we focus so much on what we don't have, right? Uh, maybe we focus a lot on what somebody else has that we don't have, and that becomes our focus. Uh, maybe we focus on all the things that we're worried about and all the things that could go wrong and all the things that make us afraid, and, and here's what he said, we need a new focus. And what Jesus said in, in Matthew six thirty three is to seek first, the kingdom of God. Seek the things of the Lord first. Get your eyes on him. And then the second thing that we need is we have a need for a focus. Uh, We have a need for a focus and we have a need for a center. So we have focus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then we have the need for a center. What centers us? What's the foundation that all these things are based on? And that's, that's what we talk about, that our, our center is on Christ. Our center is on the, uh, that God sent his son who lived in this world, who died on a cross, who rose again, that we're resurrection people. And everything in my life is built around the truth of the resurrection. Everything in my life is built around the fact that if the resurrection is true, then all of these things fit together. And so the thing that centers me when life goes crazy, the thing that centers me when things, there are things that I don't understand, uh, the things that center me are when, when people say things about me that aren't true, is that who I am in Christ and who he is. What's my center? So we need a focus, we need a center, and then we need a rhythm in our lives. I'm just throwing this one in for free because we miss this. We, we either think that you get a, you know, we think that if, you, if you're really, really busy, everybody gets a participation medal, right? Uh, if you're really, really busy, that's, you, you know, you keep score by how busy you are. Um, or we think that we have to have balance in our lives, and so we try to figure out how to balance it in your life, and I'm not quite sure how you do that, because, you know, if, if I really want to have balance in my life, then I would pray, you know, 18 hours a day, you know, and sleep a few, and, uh, you know, study the Bible, and then, but, but, I, but I meet with people, and I do other things, and I have a job, and all those things, and so how do I figure out what the right balance is in my life, and, and what I've discovered is what the Lord's asking for me is, what is my rhythm? What's the rhythm of my life? Have I built into my life times uh, that I can renew who I'm focusing on, that I can seek Him first, that I can remind myself of who He is in my life? Have I set up time Uh, in my day that bring me back uh, to my center. And so for me, there's three points of my day. There's an early morning time and there's about three in the afternoon and there's a before I go to bed that I take a little time to remind myself of where my center is, where my focus needs to be, who uh, I am in Christ, that, that, that I'm a resurrection person, that everything else fits around that. You see, what we do in our lives is that we try to make, uh, we try to make a quiet time fit into our schedule. 
What if we decided that we were going to make our lives fit into a, a rhythm of prayer, a, a rhythm of being with Christ? What, what, this is, this, I don't know, this is kind of crazy, right? What if we decided that, that that's the thing that we seek first and the rest of my life needs to fit into who I am in Christ, into the time that I spend with him, the time that I give to him to refocus my life? What, what if we were to change how we think rather than being so frustrated in our lives that, oh man, I missed my quiet time and I, I'm trying to figure out what the right time is to have my quiet time and I'm gonna knock out that 15 minutes and get on the rest of my day, get on with the stuff that really matters and you know, all that, right? Um, and, uh, and I used to have people talk to me all the time and they'd say, well, if you had a real job, I'd say, seriously, right? What's a real job? I don't know what that is, but what, what I do know is that what the Lord wants is for me to seek his kingdom first. And what's the rhythm in my life that allows me to do that? What's the rhythm in my life that allows me to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And then you know what he says? All of these things will be added to you. I don't have to worry about the rest of that because he's going to add it to me. He, doesn't, he hasn't forgotten about the things that I need. But what he's challenging me for is what's going to be the focus of my life. So how do we overcome anxiety this morning? How do we overcome anxiety? I wanna give you three ideas for overcoming anxiety. And I can actually tell you these work. Uh, otherwise I wouldn't have put them here, right? Okay, here's the three things. Preach the gospel to yourself every day, right? Every day, some point in the day you remind yourself that you're a sinner saved by grace, that without Christ we're completely lost, that, that he, Christ died on the cross so that I could have, uh, so that I could be saved, so that I could be forgiven. He rose again so that I could have life. And sometimes I get lost in the idea that this is really for uh, everybody else, you know, that I'm, my job is to tell everybody else about this, but I have to preach the gospel to myself every day. I have to remind myself, Larry, Jesus died for you, that without him you're lost. You're a sinner saved by grace and Christ came and he died for you on a cross and he rose again so that you can have life in him and I need to preach the gospel to myself every day or else I'll forget. I just think it's something out there. I think it's for other people. And Christ said, Lord, it's, it's for you. Every day, remind yourself. So preach the gospel to yourself every day. And then the second thing is 10-5 uh, it. <laughs> A few weeks ago, we talked about 2 Corinthians 10.5. The second half of that verse says, take every thought captive and give it to the Lord. Um, when, when, when you get an anxious thought, when I get an anxious thought, what if we develop the habit of 10.5ing it? That we took that thought captive and we said, Lord, that's, I'm gonna give that to you. Because I know that's not of you. I know that's not what you would have for me. I know that's not how you want me to live my life and I'm taking that thought and I'm turning it over to you. And we just simply 10-5 it. It's, that's not hard to remember, right? 10-5 it, take every thought captive and give it to the Lord. And here's the third thing, it's really simple, pray. You know, um, at least once a month I pray through Psalm 27. It's just one of those go-to places for me that the Lord encourages me in my prayer time when I remind myself of who he is out of Psalm 27, that he's my rock and he's my shield and he's my comforter. Um, so I, I pray through Psalm 27, Romans 8, 37 to 39 is a great reminder that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. 
and, and periodically I have to be reminded of that, that, that he has a hold of me, that he loves me, that he is not gonna let go of me and nothing can separate me from his love. And then the, uh, the last was what we just read today, Matthew 6, 25, 34, Jesus, his, his own words saying, consider the birds of the air. They don't store up grain, they don't build big houses, but I care for them. Consider the lilies of the field, consider the wildflowers. That Solomon in all of his opulence and splendor was never as beautiful, was never as holy, was never as grand as the, as the, the flowers that I've created. All of that is bigger, all of that is better because God did it and he says, I love you much more. I love you much more. I think about you much more than these things. So when you feel anxious this morning, when you feel anxious um, tomorrow, when you begin your day and it doesn't start off the way you'd hoped it would, um, there's, there are some tools, there are some things that you can do uh, to, to keep your focus and to keep your center. Uh, but you can preach the gospel to yourself, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Uh, you can tend five it, take every thought captive and give it to the Lord. Uh, and then you can pray. And if you need some help in praying, you know, we all need help praying. That's why the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer. We all need help in praying. And so when I need help in praying, one of the places I go is Psalm 27 or Romans 8 or, you know, or, or Luke 11, the, the, the Lord's Prayer. I go to a place to get help to pray. And Jesus offers us those things because he doesn't want us to be anxious. He wants us to be focused. He wants us to have a center. He wants us to find a rhythm in life that keeps him in the center of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We're so grateful, Lord, that your word is true and you've proven it over and over and over again in our lives. And Lord, I, I'm so sorry that we forget. Um, we forget so often. Um, Lord, you are so gracious. And so, Lord, forgive us for our forgetfulness. Forgive us for our lack of faith this morning. Uh, Lord, refocus our attention on your kingdom and you. Make us, Lord, resurrection people who have joy in the middle of chaos because we know who you are. We know that you control the future. And Lord, we know that you love us. So we give you thanks, we give you praise. We give you honor for that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.